Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, a horror video game podcast and proud member of Bloody Disgusting's Bloody FM podcast network. I'm your host, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Bow. And for this week's episode, we're trying something slightly different, as we're not exactly celebrating the 10th year anniversary of Gearbox Software's Aliens Colonial Marines. Rather, we're using this milestone as a reason to revisit this rather notorious shooter to see how the game has aged over the last decade, and if it's managed to shed any of its initial critical reception with age. Released in 2013, Aliens Colonial Marines was partially developed by Gearbox Software, with the game picking up 17 weeks after the events of James Cameron's Aliens, the seminal sequel to Ridley Scott's horror masterpiece Alien. You play a member of a new squad of Colonial Marines, attempting to rescue the survivors of the ill-fated Sulaku from the grasps of the Weyland yutani PMCs, while contending with everyone's favorite extraterrestrial pest predator, the Xenomorphs. So, Neil, as we've previously stated numerous times, actually, on the podcast, uh, you and I are massive fans of the Alien franchise mm-hmm. and uh, even have raved about Alien Isolation early in Safe Room's history. And we even showed some love to Alien's Fireteam, which, you know, we found some flawed but fun in that yeah. game. Um, so I'm eager to chat about Colonial Marines, you know, how it's aged, where it succeeds, if it succeeds at anything, um, and where it still misses the mark all these years later. Yeah, and you know, there's such a potted history with aliens in, in video games that, but surprisingly, you know, they tend to range from decent to great, you know, and, um, usually great when a predator gets involved in, in the early days. But, um, yeah, this is a weird one in so many ways. And it's one of those moments where it could have been so much something else, something great, but, God knows how we got to this point. (laughs) There's so much that went wrong. Yeah, well, let's start there, right? I think that it's only fair to sort of have that be the foundation for our conversation, right? And that this Mm. is a game that was not necessarily conceived or constructed under the best of uh, circumstances, right? But at the same time, you could see the promise in it. Mm -hmm. And you could see why it was such a notorious game in the end, because... Everything about it screamed, wow, they're going to get this right. You know, we don't, they're finding an aliens game that is not involving the predator. It's not a 2D side scrolling thing. It's not this grimy proto doom type shooter on the PlayStation. It's a proper first person aliens game with, where you can team up. And, you know, at that point, 2013, online gaming was really just kicking up to gear. And when this game was announced, you know, 2007, eight time. It was a, a big deal to talk about a co-op shooter like that. And, you know, by the time it was coming around, we knew Gearbox's involvement and the fact that they were, of course, responsible for Borderlands, which for me was exciting because, you know, it was the first co-op shooter I really got on with on console. Oh, my friend. And so this is what they had, right? You know, they had everything that could have gone right. They had Sid Mead, you know, who did a lot of the art for Aliens. He designed the Salako and he was brought in to design the environments, do things like that, and sort of make you know, this reimagining of Hadley's Hope, which is still very faithful to the place, though maybe not quite as faithful as it should be, considering what happens at the end of Aliens. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to that. Um, so yes, it also had, you know, stuff like writers from the Battlestar Galactica series. It had canon events, canon events after Aliens and Alien 3, technically. Which, um, obviously the sideshow bit of that is that 
you know, Lance Henriksen and Michael Bean were in it. And that was great. But you still sort of go, well, how? <laughs> you know, <it> was <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, but, you know, again, we'll get to that. It was still cool to have them in there. It's just, that's fun. The plot of the, just going back there and this being, and, uh, finding it overrun, the variations and mutations that have been caused. Loved it. As an idea, it all sounded amazing because it tapped into that sort of vein of those aliens toys they used to have, you know, where they had the variants and the fire team elite sort of brought back a bit as well. And how could it, how could it fail? And this is what they said. And the way it failed was, they kicked the can down the road too much you know, and got too many things to do. You know, they obviously, Gearbox were at a stage where they're like, oh, we want to do this, 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 and this. And they just took on one too many problematic pro- projects, um, including the fact that this game got delayed um, from its original release date, I think, because they were doing Duke Nukem Forever, helping that to make that better, which should have been the greatest of red flags <laughs> at that point. <laughs> but yeah, you come twenty. And I think like in that last year before it actually came out, it was delayed like three times. You know, it's like it was supposed to come out spring, summer, winter, and then like nope, February eleventh, twenty thirteen, and. Yeah, they did this because they wanted to polish it up, make it better, make it the best game it could be. But at this point, it had been five, six years. And that was at a time where games didn't really have that. It's not like now where, you know, Rockstar take two generations to make another Grand Theft Auto, maybe more. It's very much a games don't take this long. They shouldn't. It's weird. And they were always viewed with that very suspicious sort of thing. And. Much like Gene Newcomb Forever, it turned out to be very much because they were just waiting and waiting <laughs> in the hope that they would never have to release this. Well, one thing I can't wrap my mind around, right? Okay, so the part of the reason why the Gearbox was so distracted was also, you know, Borderlands 2, right? Which, mm. based off the financial success of the original and just how much fanfare there was around that in this being this new IP, right? And how, you know, it seemingly for the sequel, they were promising bigger and better I understand how that could be viewed as being, oh, yeah. you know, the more financial uh, distraction at the time, right? But Duke Nukem Forever is still the game that I'm just kind of like, <laughs> that is really the game that caused almost an equal amount of distraction from having free reign of making this, you know, this um, return to the Aliens universe and something that was going to bridge the gap between Aliens and Alien 3, right? I just... I can't wrap my mind around a studio being like, well, you know, we have aliens and then we have the potential to bring back Duke Nukem in a big way. Let's lean into this Duke Nukem camp a little bit more. Not to take anything away from, you know, the importance of Duke and Duke 3D and all of those things, but it's just mind boggling to me. Like aliens is one of the biggest IPs out there. And especially for, you know, sci-fi horror genre nerds like us, that's like, that's the holy grail. So the idea that Duke Nukem <laughs> was in the conversation of why, you know, know, this this studio was deviating resources and, you know, outsourcing to studios like Timegate Studios for for part of the work of Aliens Colonial Marines is just like so so mind-boggling even all these years later for me. It is. And yet in a way it's very timely, you know, when you think about the modern landscape and how companies come back in to revive seemingly dead and doomed franchises 
in all these new ways and they talk it up about, oh, we're hyping up, this is going to be great and, you know, it's going to capture the spirit of the original, it's going to be fresh and new. And 90% of the time it's like, we saw the new Halloween and we thought we'd do the same thing, but worse. And <laughs> that's it. Um, and so this feels like that where everything Gearbox has done since really does make this seem true as well. That they just saw these names and loved the idea of being the star of the redemption story of we could finish Duke Nukem forever. You know, this holy grail of unfinished games. You know, it's like, and then we had the aliens license. That'd be really cool if we made a really cool aliens game like that. Never really think. And then like a goldfish just getting distracted. <laughs> the second the Borderlands is doing, well, oh, actually we don't need this shit. We can do our own shit and it's fine. And um that ultimately just, seemed to be what happened because Borderlands 2 was great but <laughs> everything else kind of fell by the wayside I think that's a great way to put it you know the Gearbox certainly has like big golden retriever energy where they just can't keep their <laughs> eye on any one thing for a certain amount of time and you know furthermore the idea that they would outsource and then you know it turned like from what research I looked into um, you know just what had been outsourced didn't seem to be all that uh <laughs> <laughs> all that polish they're in a good state to begin with so you're taking something that's kind of like a hodgepodge of assets and then you're kicking yeah. it to a studio and then they're like well this is not in the state where we're gonna like actually have a ball to really carry right um yeah. so i think that it's the type of thing where yeah you know they can't really keep their eye on any one thing and then they get a little bit cross-eyed uh in terms of like priorities if you will yeah and nothing sort of makes me think of that whole like nostalgia baiting nonsense that we get now more than what they do with the plot of it and how they go, you know, bleat on about how this is the new canon. I mean, mm. that is straight from the Halloween 2018 playbook. Fuck these things that came between. We're doing it <laughs> our way. This is the new canon like thing, which is great and bold, but when it makes absolutely no sense, when you're True. telling us it's still set after, you know, aliens and alien three, mm. but a guy is alive. Yeah. <laughs> who got thrown into a fucking furnace right. having already died in a crash it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's a bit yeah you start to question it a bit and you know given michael being not really liking the way this went mm. or being not a fan <laughs> would I, be believe he, I believe he was quoted saying this was passionless <laughs> yes which you know <laughs> I've, I've never felt that in a performance more than in this game as well where it's yeah. just like you could Almost feel the pissed off nature. It's like, what did I sign up for this? <laughs> that sort of thing. If I hadn't seen regret. his name in the uh, in the credits at the very beginning, I would have had to have gone to look up to see if this was actually Michael Bean or if it was somebody doing an impression of him because it's yeah. just so passionless and so devoid of just like any sort of investment in what's going on. Which, to be fair to him, like he was probably not presented with anything that was like actually all that interesting of returning to a character that at this point he hadn't yeah. done in what 30 years or something like that yeah um it's, yeah it's just it just seemed odd that you got mm. hold in for it and it's like i just do feel like they were like who can we get in and like yeah. they just the ones they could get in they were okay we'll make it work and nobody sort of questioned that why <laughs> and sure. uh you know which i understand you want to get name value and again very much a gearbox thing like hey if we can get this big name attached to be amazing like that it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense does it you know it, it, we'll still get it done um that being said i think they've done the movie casting for borderlands quite well so hats off to the randy pitchford in that respect just don't pull a fucking rabbit out of it <laughs> so what could happen here is that at worst you get 
a very basic uh, alien shooter. And if it, yeah, Fireteam Elite is pretty much what we end up getting the best possible version of this. Mm. You know, when you think about it, you know, they, I think it was a very deliberate decision to make it third person to avoid direct comparisons with that game. Sure. <laughs> and, you know, it, it kind of went back and corrected all those little mistakes, added the things that really made it more aliens, you know, with the, the fortifying things that were more refined and made more sense in that game. It was a home run in a lot of ways that you could just say, but of course, it was always having that baggage that wasn't its own, you know, because while Alien Isolation came out, you know, remarkably not that far after this, and, you know, kind of set the world to rights, you know, the Aliens thing was just a lingering thing. And the fact that a smaller studio, you know, in less time, effectively, because I think they had like a four-year run, um, put out a much better game. Yeah, I mean, without it being amazing or anything, it's got great moments, great soundtrack, all those things. But it's because they understood what they were doing on every level and didn't just go, well, we should bring back to character A because that's box office, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I think it's a big part of just how far games have come in certain movements, you know, and how we've kind of moved away from what they did during that time that game is responsible for a lot of people getting away from that time, to be fair. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, there's such an impact that this game has had. Yeah. It, negatively because, um, but then also positively because it's made developers of certain sizes kind of look at it and go, don't want to be the ones that make that mistake anymore. And nobody does. Possibly the consequence of that is you get some safer games than you might have, but. Sometimes but I think you also, you first. know, the silver lining of Colonial Marines, which, you know, is basically that you can take a universe that more or less like I think when people think about the Aliens universe, the first thing they think about is, you know, Aliens, the film. Right. And they think mm. about that larger and louder set piece, um, even if, you know, it's up for debate for <laughs> which <laughs> film people prefer over uh, either Alien or Aliens. But in terms of. Being broad about an IP, I would think most people probably think about aliens and, you know, the colonial marines and they're going in and they're dealing with these xenomorphs and whatnot. But in terms of something like colonial marines and going in that route that it does, it does show that, like, you can approach an IP and go in the opposite direction, which, you know, something like Alien Isolation, which knocks it out of the park and really succeeds – it succeeds in a way that I initially would have never thought, which is this stealth game that has you, you know, creeping through the tunnels and it's a lot more muted and it captures that fear of alien, right? And I think that if anything, something like Colonial Marines is kind of like a cautionary tale that even if you have, you know, the rights to this IP and you can have actors from the original film come in and you can strive to recreate this sort of faux narrative continuation of the movies and recreate certain set pieces you need to think outside of the box still, even if you have access or you have the potential to do something like that, because those elements are not always going to be a recipe for success. But um, I'd like to kind of dial it back a little bit and just talk about in general, you know, are there ways Mm. in which Gearbox uses the aliens IP that actually, you know, holds up pretty well for you uh, 10 years removed? Um, In very basic ways, I think getting Sid Mead in to do the environments, worked quite well i think you know it's a really cool recreation of hadley's hope you know i really like that aspect of it and 
it's the one thing you can't sort of question so much as there's nothing about it that kind of goes wrong. So that's great. Um, I suppose the other, kind of, the music's okay. <laughs> like, um, it, it sounds reminiscent, I think, reminiscent yeah. enough of Aliens. Uh, the, you know, yeah, the but that, that's, the that's almost the problem, I think, mm. you know, compared to what Austin Wintory did in Fireteam Elite, where it's homage done in a very inventive way that feels more like it's a progression. This kind of felt like a homage, you know, and that was it. Like, this is James Horner's score, but, you know, the one you hear in elevators or something, you know, that, that it's not quite the same thing, but I suppose it works. And, you know, the thing that you have to give the game, because it it's not necessarily about this game, but co-op is the great healer in any game. Doesn't matter how bad it is. Sure. Because you, you can have fun with people in the shittest game. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, co-op was great in this because if things were going wrong, you could laugh at it. And at best, yeah, you could be mowing down hordes of aliens and in like alien style environments. And the alien designs, I liked some of the variants, you know, yeah. like the, you know, the bullish one and stuff like that. It worked for me and great. These are all great things. They just have to all come caveats, it seems, which is what you don't want. Yeah, I was a big fan, at least, of kind of the games, I suppose, museum aspect to environments, right? You kind of are just wandering through these sets that feel like natural continuations of Mm. the sets of the film, right? And I think that as a fan of the films and whatnot, you get a little bit more out of that, right? Even Mm. if at the end of the day, this largely boils down to a very generic uh, shooter at the same time, like there has to be something to be said for the set design. Um, And, you know, that might be something that only fans of the films in the universe are going to be able to have an appreciation for. But at the same time, you know, I think it's more interesting than if this was, you know, in terms of the era this game came out in when everything was trying to just be, uh, you know, a Call of Duty clone, this included, right? It has that set dressing that I think is at least visually interesting, um, even if what you're doing in the interim is not very interesting or uh, satisfactory. Um, But I think to your point, though, about the enemy designs, right? I'm a fan of them expanding sort of the xenomorph morphology, if you will, that was in a lot of, you know, games, toys, uh, the Dark Horse comic series from back in the day. You know, that adds some variety to uh, the game. And even, in, you know, there's this section that is all stealth based, right? Yeah. Where you encounter these basically exploding kamikaze xenomorphs that have been mutated, which, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the shoddy AI doesn't necessarily present them in the best light, but I at least am appreciative that the game kind of tries to introduce something that is brand new to the universe um, in a way that shows some creativity. Um, yeah. Even if it, that moment is uh, very short lived and, you know, <laughs> seeing them kind of just kind of scurry around uh, <laughs> and almost run into you at times, but then just, you know, take a hard right at the last second. Uh, is I mean, pretty yeah, goofy. The notor- <laughs> the, yeah, the notorious thing about the AI is just hilarious. The fact that it was just literally a typo in <laughs> code that, that, that made the AI fucking stupid. It's just. And then nobody bothered to go back and fix it until the modder came and did it. Sure. But you know, much of what, you know, the greatest thing you can say about this game now is that the overhaul mod, while it can't fix everything, it, it makes the game palatable in the way it, it corrects the 
technical problems with the game, mm. you know, which is the first thing really that needed to happen. You know, this still doesn't excuse the million other things, decisions that don't work with this game, but that at least makes it palatable as a video game that when you go back to that co-op experience I was talking about, it, it would make it a better co-op experience because a lot of the stuff that doesn't work is kind of drowned out by being in that situation, which is, you know, like like you have podcast games, you have multiplayer games where you're not really giving a shit about what's going on. It's just like you're there to chat, shoot, and mm. shoot the shit, literally, yeah. and yeah. see where it goes. And then it kind of makes it more like that, I suppose. Now, but yeah, that's that again is not the work of anyone involved in the game, and uh, <laughs> they got away with their, their, their being sued and stuff, and um, they don't care. They're not going to touch it again because that would be an admission of guilt, you know, which is. <laughs> Unfortunate, but yeah, PC at least has that option. Yeah, you can make this game feel all right. Yeah. And look, I know we're ragging on it a lot here, but it's not the worst thing as a game. It really isn't. There are worse things. It's just the level of expectation to the game that came out. You know, I mean, if you want a modern equivalent, if you weren't around for it, then Cyberpunk was that. You know, it's this hype levels, hype levels, hype levels game like that died on its ass, but then came back because they cared enough to you know, please their shareholders. And whereas, you know, Gearbox had no such worry. So they were like, Sega, you can fucking take the ball for this and we'll uh we'll we'll go our merry way. Sega, I suppose, did then make amends by letting Creative Assembly go and make isolation and everything was right again. But um yeah. Expectations that you can't blame the audience for, right? It is this idea no, of the, no, no, the bait no. and switch type of expectations thing, which, yeah. um, you know, unfortunately, uh, we've definitely got plenty of examples of that. Rarer these days that companies dare try to get away with it, but it's almost now like an amusing novelty where the audience, a modern audience gets pulled into it by, oh, it could, it could be good. Like the day before is a good example. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's and like timing. a game where it's like, it's, Everyone fucking talks about it, even though everyone knows it's a scam. The same thing with abandoned, you know, it's those things, people hanging on to it saying it's a Kojima thing when every piece of evidence is there telling them, no, look what you're looking at. This is a scam. <laughs> you are being scammed. And this, you know, when they were showing this game off, you couldn't see that. It was like, uh, it was big franchise, fairly decent developer, Sega involved, should be good. Great. You know, the last, Aliens game they put out was the 2010 Aliens vs Predator, and that was okay. You know, it wasn't the best of those kind of games, but it still had good moments. Um, I think Rebellion worked on that. So yeah, um, yeah. So you can see why everyone was like, "Cool, yeah, this will work." And the stuff they showed off that wasn't truthful and honest, and yeah, you. you did that now you'd get ripped two pieces as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the, yeah, not the first game to do it, but it was very much the highest profile game to sort of in the internet age to really get it wrong on such a level that you know people, you know, customers suing you, levels of you know disgust and distrust in what you did. That is, you know, wow, you know. Not great. Um, <laughs> but uh, one thing that I wanted to chat about briefly was, you know, the narrative of the game, which we've already kind of mentioned. Uh, there were plenty of like 
plot holes and it just was not very cohesive in terms of actually trying to bridge that gap between aliens and alien three, right? That kind of is yeah. just a very messy, even just conceptually the idea of trying to do something like that and trying to actually bridge a gap rather than telling a story that just kind mm. of occurs immediately after, but doesn't have any real connectivity to the following film and, you know, the Ripley saga and whatnot, even yeah. though this is very loosely uh, connected to that. But I would say conceptually, at least I like the idea of having a game that, you know, something that Fireteam would end up doing, which is splitting the time between Xenomorphs and Whalen yutani Mercs, right? Yes. And kind of having that blend of gameplay experiences where you're dealing with a horde of enemies that are constantly charging you and pursuing you, the Xenomorphs, and then having these firefights with these Whalen yutani PMCs and whatnot, and kind of giving a little bit more just variety to what is a very stock standard sort of six-hour first-person shooter kind of campaign that doesn't necessarily evolve more than uh, what you experience in the first, you know, hour of the game uh, outside of maybe one or two moments that are kind of just linked to elements of the film that, you know, you're not going to not have a power loader section. You're not That's not it. going to have <laughs> a uh, have an encounter with a queen alien. Right. And while those moments don't live up to the hype or really add anything to the experience other than frustration for me. I'm appreciative of the fact, at least, that I didn't have to play six hours of just the same exact Xenomorph encounters, even if mm. at the end of the day, those encounters weren't necessarily satisfying. You know, at least there is some variation. And that's something that I think was, I don't know, perfected, but improved upon with Fireteam, right? Yeah. When you're going through those campaigns and it builds off of Xenomorphs and then Whalen yutani and then you've got, you know, Android enemies and whatnot. And I like exploring more of the aliens universe than just the stock standard drones, you know, morphs, you know, yeah. there's all of these. And it's kind of like a thing I always come back to with the comic series, right? The comics have all this freedom to develop a lore and expand on them that have nothing to do with the, the connectivity of, you know, Ripley saga and whatnot, yeah. uh, or even Prometheus to some extent, but just exploring more of that universe in a way that defies the conventions of kind of what people have put alien into a box as being. Um, I at least am appreciative of them exploring that avenue in this game. But as you've said, uh, you know, the AI being as shoddy as it is. And I, I actually dug out my 360 to run a copy that one of my roommates <laughs> gave me. So I didn't have any of the mods or any of the, uh, you know, the AI correcting that uh, PC players were fortunate enough to have. So it's like that really, really hampered my experience with it because it was just, I mean, we'll get into it in the second half when maybe we go a little more in depth into uh, some of our grievances with uh, colonial Marines. Yes. Including um, it's a game that it came up against within the same week or so, which uh, we will get into in the second half. Yeah. But uh, let's take a quick break and we can dive a little bit more into uh, colonial Marines and uh, some of its shortcomings. And we're back from our break and yeah, you know, it's hard to say that the first half of the show was very positive. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I think it's the only place to start really is just, you know, with me playing, I suppose, the vanilla version of the game on 360 before there were any sort of changes made to the AI. That really, really drove me insane. Just how <laughs> god awful the AI was. And it's the type of thing that it takes me back to an era of games where it seems like was AI just an afterthought? <laughs> was there no thought put into running and contending with these enemies, especially when you have, 
the disparities between enemies where some of them are, you know, melee focused. And then you have these firefight sections. And somehow, even though they have different attack patterns, the AI still falls so short of the mark, seemingly every uh, every way you turn. Oh, doesn't it just... I mean, like we were saying in the first half, it's the fact that it was just that, something they could have fixed so easily and didn't bother yeah. cause, because they'd handed it off and handed it off and handed it off and nobody... Yeah, they checked Emperor's New Clothes of Gaming, you know, where literally <laughs> just by the time they got to it, no one knows what's going on. But it, this it didn't need to be much more. You know, I think right. again, it, it, that's probably why it works as a co-op shooter is because you stop kind of thinking about aliens apart beyond the sounds. And that's it because you're not really taking in everything that's going wrong as much, uh, unless it's egregious. So, you know, you hear the pulse rifles, you hear the shriek of the aliens, and that's cool. That's all enough. You, you don't notice that the fucking aliens are moonwalking their way to you and <laughs> whatever. And it, it doesn't matter as much. But, yeah, when you're trying to play it in a more serious way, you know, when you're trying to play it as an alien's experience, it just falls short in so many ways. But the AI is just, like, chief among it, you know, the fact that it's nice that you can go out there and play it with something that is better now, but mm. yeah, it's like there's a reason you won't get a. This is one. This didn't get the uh, the old backwards compatibility treatment in the same way. Yeah, um, but uh, the thing beyond that, you know, we've talked about how it's you know trying to be canon and like that, and we've said how it kind of ruins Alien Three, but what it actually ruins more is Aliens because. It claims to be canon. Everything about the, I know it's a video game, but none of it makes sense in the context of what's come before. It's like, right. you know, a squad of Marines with a set amount of aliens, there weren't that many really, um, still were fucked, couldn't do anything about it. Less Marines take on five times as much aliens <laughs> and, some, and other things and get through it. And it's just, you know, it kind of goes against the spirit of what Cameron did, you know, which is like everyone's, you know, it's boys club stuff. You know, everyone's in, oh, yeah, we can handle anything. We've got all the machismo in the world like that. You know, so much so, you know, even the women in this group uh, have got balls bigger than you, that sort of thing. And it just, the idea of that then in that film is that that's their hubris. That's what they'll fall from graces. They think they can handle anything the world throws at them and that they haven't met this. Which just makes what Ripley does all the more impressive, you know. Even though even that is just by sheer luck and ingenuity, that's it. And then to just get a whole bunch of other people in who know just as little, you know, and and just pile through waves of them, you know, like that, and not just the normal ones, but other variants. And you're thinking, yeah, you shouldn't have to think of this game in that way, right? And and think it that deeply, but. When something does go so wrong, like this game, you can't help but start thinking of these minor nitpicks because, you know, it's like, you know, that spot in your, your head or something where you just can't stop picking or scratching. You just keep going at it, even though you know it's not a good idea. And there it is. But it, there's the plot in a, in a nutshell. Nothing like aliens. It's like, no, we just made a shooter that happens to have that stuff on top. Yeah. I, well, that's the big problem with making an alien-centric game, right? Is that mm. they're trying to craft 
tension and when you have a game like this where, you know, you're just ripping through hundreds or thousands of them at a certain point, how do you really craft tension or genuine fear, right? Yeah. And, you know, that ends up being such a problem with these types of games that if, you know, if you're going to make an Aliens game, something along the lines of like Fire Team, right, where they're not going for real tension outside of, you know, putting players that are working together in the constraints of a location and then, you, you know, oh, we just barely survived. I was about to run out. Those types of moments of tension that are more gameplay rather than environmental or something yeah. like that, uh, or narratively even. Uh, with something like Aliens, okay, maybe they're not going for that. You have to make the shooting the star of the show. And yeah. again, coming back to what I said earlier, within the first two hours of this game, you have experienced all there is to off be offered basically from Colonial Marines. And it becomes apparent in, for me in the first 30 minutes that the shooting is just so unsatisfying in a way that yeah. as mediocre as this game is again, you know, there's a quote floating around from someone's review. Like this is one of the worst games all time or something like that. And it's like that I find to be hyperbole because maybe yeah. that person hasn't played enough yeah. bad games. It, but it's disastrous. Yeah, absolutely. A, a disastrous of the potential. Sure. Yeah. But it is not definitely way, way, way worse. It's the type <laughs> of thing I would say is mediocre at best. And that might even be giving it, uh, giving my <laughs> aliens bias, uh, showing its head, but I think overall, you know, the shooting is so underwhelming. Something mm. like the fact that you could put one of the holy grails of, you know, cinema firearms in the player's hand being a pulse rifle, and it feels like a pop gun, basically, in terms of the yeah. response. And the fact that, you know, the xenomorphs themselves are basically these bullet sponges, which you have a gun that has 40 rounds and you can basically kill two xenomorphs early on yeah. with one mag. And then, you know, there's subsequent upgrades for weapons, which I thought was, you know, okay. It was kind of cool. You can soup up some of these guns and they expand the arsenal a little bit more of what was in the films or previously shown in the universe. But there's like no feedback. We talked about in our uh, Dead Space remake review, you know, how punchy and how satisfying, cool. how destructive those firearms are. And literally in Colonial Marines, you have to pump in half a mag to kill a basic drone but then at the same time, even when you kill them, sometimes they explode and they explode like confetti almost, which is just like <laughs> preposterous, uh, you know, confetti uh, that is acidic. But at the same time, it's kind of just like a shrug. And it's not a difficult game per se when you're playing just like on normal or whatever, but it becomes artificially difficult when you're faced with, you know, I would say six or seven xenomorphs at a time that take yeah. 20 bullets at a time to kill so they're not necessarily like super discerning in terms of their, you know, AI or their combat patterns. Yeah. It's just that you have these spongy enemies and the equipment that you have isn't really adequate to deal with it out of the gate. And even when you soup up your firearms, it's kind of like, okay, well, now I just have this basically bullet hose that isn't satisfying to use. And these enemies now are just kind of like, okay, these are like minor annoyances at a certain point. Yeah, you're saying about this, the shooting is light. Uh, that's understandable i think part of the problem with that is that sort of core loop that you have where you know the ai is terrible so there's no satisfaction in shooting that and now i've remembered my points yeah i've got by thought i thought <laughs> my way right to it um you know all games are sort of derivative of the games that started everything out you know uh, we was, i think i discussed this last week when we were talking about 
yeah, Pac-Man is inherent in like so many of those sort of horror games where you're being chased around, having to collect things or do things. It's like that's fine. Uh, Alien Isolation is effectively Pac-Man on a, a very, you know, educated sure. level. <laughs> so a little more nuanced. Yeah, this is it. That's what I mean. But that's what a good video game should do in the modern age. It's like you take those fundamentals and you make it so that unless you really, really think about it, you wouldn't think it. You know, like, you wouldn't think this game is like Pac-Man or this game is like fucking Pitfall or whatever. You would just go, oh. So when you look at Aliens Colonial Marines, it, everything's so basic and so, you know, such a shrug that it takes you back to what games were so much more easily. And the way you just described it there was saying, like, you know, the aliens are like bullet sponges and you basically just having to hit them time and time again to get rid of them. It's Space Invaders. That's all it is. Meh. It's like, it, at its core, it is Space Invaders with a, a glossier coat, but with none of the sort of evolution that should be there. You know, like that. It's, you know, if Space Invaders is like the theatre production, this is like the big budget version of Battleship, you know, the movie <laughs> sort of thing. You know, it's just, it, it's unnecessary. You know, you could make this feel more tangible, more real, but no. You've just made something that could have been made 30, 40, 50 years ago and not made it any better, really. Yeah. You know, in my sort of research on this, some elements that were initially cut from the final game, there was supposed to be this whole sort of squad mechanics, right, where you could command these AI soldiers that, you know, travel with you throughout the game, but you don't have any control over them. And so... It was supposed to be facilitating command orders that, you know, would be something almost like Star Wars Republican Commando, right? You can have them seal doors, you can have them plant turrets, you can have them sort of like guard vents or whatever to deal with the xenomorph floods that come in, right? And even if, again, if the AI problems persisted, I keep coming back to this idea that if there was more variety in the things that you can do, it sort of alleviates some of the lacklusterness, if you will, of the repetitive nature of just these firefights that are not fulfilling because at least it gives some type of strategic options for the player other than, okay, I'm just going to aim down the sights and shoot at these bullet sponges until they stop pursuing me for this stretch of an environment that I'm investigating. Um, Even more so, you know, something that is only a feature in the hardest difficulty is removing the HUD and the fact that, you know, the player then has to rely on their rifles, carbine counter, basically ammo counter, they have to use the motion tracker even more, uh, more reliance on that rather. But at the end of the day, like that even doesn't alleviate the core problems of the experience. Right. But if anything, I feel that that should have just been the direction that they went. But I think it comes back to this idea that, you know, this game is trying to serve so many masters that its direction is getting yanked in all these different you know ways, like fighting with Sega, what they would want from an Aliens game, what Gearbox wants, you know, outsourcing is going to have its own sort of politics that come into play with the direction of things. And it's a game that, you know, you can start to see the pieces that would have made for something that could have been maybe not leaps and bounds better than what we got, but at least not spoken about with the same type of, you know, fervor, I suppose, or Mm -hmm. just kind of like shouting out at these, well, this is just, this is awful. This is not living up to the hype, which... Some of that would have been alleviated, perhaps, if it had at least gone in a direction that felt challenging to what 
essentially feels like the status quo of the era it was developed in, in terms of yeah. like being so reactionary to Call of Duty, right? Which, you know, that was apparently some of the, uh, some of the struggle with the direction was, is that Sega wanted something more like Call of Duty. And it's yeah. like, well, that really is not at the core of anything. I think even I read Sega was more in favor of having less xenomorphs and more of the Weyland Yutani PMCs, which just kind of like makes my brain short circuit. Yeah. I mean, the I, idea of I mean less yes, xenos. no, I, I kind of get it, but the less xenos because there are too many, I think, for the kind of game you're making. But you know, I mean, the, the, and more of an emphasis on the Weyland Yutani shootout. Yeah, that, like, that, I get that too, because, you know, basically that's what Alien Isolation goes and does. It's like it, it makes it less about the alien. It's a, an ever-present threat, but you face more enemies of other types than you do the alien you know, until the end of that game. So that felt like the refinement of that. You know, that that's where the compromise was made. Is like less aliens, but make them more intimidating, make them more threatening, make them feel like they're a thing that should be feared, and then make the fucking Wailing Yutani stuff the fodder because the aliens are fodder as well. And it just, none of it works. Now, this brings me to my point I was going to make earlier, where I said about there being a game that came out around the same time that had its, you know, sort of moment that felt similar. But then I remembered another game that came out a year before that's also relevant. So I'm going to talk about both of those in the context <laughs> of Aliens. So a year before, Sega released a game by the Yakuza Studio called Binary Domain. Yeah. Which not only captured the Cameron vibe you know, better than Aliens by doing a very Terminator-esque story where, you know, taking out the enemies that were basically Terminators were, you know, they were bullet sponges, but if you hit them in the right way, it all worked out. It had squad communication. Like, you could talk into a microphone and talk to these squad AI squad <laughs> members. Gimmicky as fuck, but it worked. And the game was just over the top. It's you know, one of the most underrated 7 out of 10 games in the world. It's lovely. And you know, that came out the year before, you know, from a studio that don't do that kind of game. You know, that they did at that point, it was all Yakuza, Yakuza, Yakuza that all came out again, obviously afterwards. But that's like this out here. And they did that confident as pff, easy does. Now that a year before the, you know, the year that aliens, Columarines would have released originally. Well, not originally, originally, but at that point it was supposed to release around the same time. I would have been murder for it too, because you know, this game didn't so well, but it was good. Um, but then when it did come out a year later, it was going up against <laughs> the, the apex thing of what was going on with horror at the time, where big companies were looking for any excuse to sort of say, horror is not profitable, horror, we can't make horror work, Call of Duty is the way forward. And you know, another game that suffered from that was Dead Space 3 which came out the week before Aliens Got Any Marines. You know, more emphasis on, you know, shooting things that aren't necromorphs. You know, know, making it more action-heavy, making it more, you know, like that, you know, and making it more crafting. All these little bits and bobs that sort of sullied the idea. And what a one-two punch to, you know, sci-fi horror games that was at the time, because... Yeah, three came out, pissed off of the fans, didn't do what EA wanted. This came out the week after, absolute disaster. Everyone involved just getting shat on from a great height. 
you know, it, it did that week did so much damage. And you think that killed off Dead Space effectively at that point that week. You know, the fact that we got a response to the aliens debacle like a year or so later with, with isolation is remarkable. Um, yeah, <laughs> I still think that when you get they go back to that infamous IGN review of Alien Isolation, that it, it almost feels like they're just being cautious because someone liked Colonial Marines a little too much and then saw the reviews and like, oh, actually, no, I don't like it as much. They didn't want to be fools because fucking hell, for a, a, a website that doesn't really like to go below six, you know, to go below six for that game, you know, remarkable of all things. But yeah, so those two games really sort of punctuate this time for this game to finally come out, you know, which a game that would have come out at an earlier period and would have been probably more accepted for what it was. You know, there were plenty of scrappy fucking half-finished shooters. I mean, the fact this was supposed to come out what, before... Yeah, before Aliens vs. Predator by Rebellion, which is nuts. You know, when you think about it, that, that was supposed to be the next game. And that came out three years before. So it had something going for it, surely. But, yeah, it's remarkable that you had this real moment... You know, I know there's a lot going on along in this time, you know, in gaming, you know, but gaming is really booming in d- several different sectors. You know, mobile gaming has come up and like online services are now a big thing because of Call of Duty. And it has such impact on horror in such a negative way that any time we got moments like this, like that, it hurt. It really did hurt the horror genre. And yeah, the, there could not be a worse one, two punch at the time than, than that, you know. And, and Dead Space 3 is by far a more accomplished game, you know, as irritating as it can be. But, you know, it, it wasn't the game that anyone wanted. And not, not the developer, not the company in charge, not the fans. And it sold okay, just didn't sell the numbers they were hoping for by making it more action heavy. And yeah, so many games got hit with that consequence. And, you know, these are two great examples of that. And the one that did it, pretty well and all right in 2012 binary domain yeah crickets yeah play binary domain that's all i'm saying <laughs> it's like it's more than worth your time i have that in my steam queue it's your uh, your recommendation but i think <laughs> maybe also my time was compatible been, <laughs> on my, xbox so. <laughs> my time would have been better spent maybe this week uh <laughs> playing that for the first time instead of <laughs> instead of colonial marines but um i'm curious you know in your time with Colonial Marines, did you play any of the DLC for it? Because there's a lot of DLC for a game that I would not expect there to be. And I think there was like some story content. There was, of course, multiplayer content. Um, but I didn't get a chance to play any of that. Did you? Um, some back in the day. That Honestly, the more I think about it now, it just feels like stuff they couldn't finish in time. Which, again, is just remarkable. Considering how long they <laughs> so, yeah. Um and it was just, again, the time they were coming out in, everything was getting paired off into these little things. It was just the way it went. And, um, yeah, n- none of it's really remarkable, to be honest. I think no. it, it, it all has the same problem. So. Yeah. I wish that I had pl- been able to play this, uh, campaign in co-op, right? I think, cause to yeah. your point, right? If me and one of my buddies that's really into aliens like me, you know, we're going to get more mileage out of, revisiting these storied sets and whatnot. And, 
you know, if you're shutting your brain off at what you're playing anyways, you're not really going to give a shit like, oh, should Hadley's Hope even be standing still? Should, uh, <laughs> you know, the derelict ship and whatnot. But, you know, when you're, you know, having a few beers or stoned and playing one of these games with somebody and you're like, oh, cool, we get to stomp around these familiar grounds and rip yeah. through xenomorphs. Like, there is a certain amount of entertainment value in that that's only mm. going to be found by fans of the series, uh, the film series, that is. Um, yes. But when you start to try to look at this under any sort of critical lens, you know, it's kind of, even 10 years removed. It's the type of thing where we're like, okay, you know, once you remove all the hyperbole that went into describing this game, not living up to the expectations, it's like, yeah, this is just another underwhelming shooter that unfortunately they wasted a, a beloved IP on. Right. And I think at the end of the day, like, okay, I'm not going to remember this game fondly. I'm never going to revisit this game, but at the end of the day, I've played far worse games and it just kind of reinforces this idea when people kind of, I don't know, get a little out of pocket with how they choose to describe things like this as yeah. one of the worst games ever or whatnot, or one of the worst yeah. adaptations. It's kind of like, I th can't not roll your eyes at that. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's like I said, it's a victim of when it came out in that regard, because online you know, presences for everyone was becoming bigger and bigger thanks to the very games that cause problems in games like this. You know? So it becomes its own little mini issue that any game from that era really does just get this extra level of spite and hype. And, you know, that was like the peak years of it. So if anything was showing off at E3, you know, when everyone's watching it, everyone can talk on a forum or whatever, or IGN and there'd be, shouting at the rooftops about how ace this game looked and like that and most of the times the games would get away with it because no one would really believe that the sizzle reel thing you know and if they did it was just where they were mocking it you know it's a ps3 stuff you know it was one of those things like, oh the kill zone launch two launch trailer or the you know the the giant enemy crab stuff and all those things you know this was just happened to be one of the the high profile failures at that time and, you know, this was, you know, one of those times though, where genuinely you have to understand why, because it's not about necessarily it being terrible. It is just about from the point it was at where Gearbox's reputation was at at that time, which was still good because, you know, they could kind of be absolved of some of the blame with Duke Nukem forever. They handled it. You know, they took it over having been in development healthy years. It came out. It was a stinker, not really on them when you get down to it because most of the game was made by other people and that stuff was terrible too they they just said we'll put in the minimum effort and release it in the hope that it might be enough it wasn't <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah like you said they had success elsewhere with their own stuff um, before and after and it worked out fine this just again like that game Duke Nukem Forever they bit off too much you know, and hoped for the best after that. Playing this just made me want to go back and reinstall Fireteam, honestly, because mm. at the end of the day, like Fireteam for whatever faults it had at launch and whatnot, and I haven't played it since launch, but it's something that they've been continually working on in terms of content, but also just at patching, you know, the gameplay and whatnot. You know, yeah. it is the type of thing that shows that you can have an aliens approach in these games and it actually can be viable uh, for more than, you know, whatever, a handful of hours. Um, and I think that they had the right 
idea to go the multiplayer route that they did, which initially made me skeptical of it. But the reality is, is that if you're going to go the more action-oriented nature, and if the Xenos are going to be presented as fodder, that is a scenario where that type of formula can, you know, thrive the best because yeah. you're creating a different sense of tension, right? You're not really having this the story and fire team is a complete afterthought, basically. And it doesn't really have a great deal of tension in the narrative sense, but from you know the situational uh, aspects that you find uh, squads in with people online and whatnot, you know mm. there is a certain amount of you know real fear when you kind of hear that special uh, Zeno sort of uh, morphology, if you will, kind of come down the hall charging at you and whatnot because you know the ramifications yeah. of that. And it, you know I think that had they been able to kind of capture what Fireteam was able to do in those types of instances and apply it here, perhaps. Who's to say? But, uh, yeah. you know, there's a uh, few and fleeting moments, I think, in Colonial Marines where they kind of go off script with those special types of Xenos that have glimmers of something that could be more interesting. It's just um, that's so short lived, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, a lot of it is just half sketched ideas that don't go anywhere. And, you know, the whole too many cooks thing of like, you know, by adding another studio, they'll add something else, they'll add something else. And, that longer development time, all you're doing is accumulating fat into the project and you could strip it back, but then you have to have the right people working out the whole time to know what you should be stripping back. You have to have a consistent team to understand what it is you are making and what can and cannot be taken out of that because otherwise you are going to end up with stuff that doesn't make sense and, and goes the wrong way about it. And there's so much of that, but I think basically it just boils down to, those at the top having a really poor understanding of what they had, you know, which is not unusual because yeah. there are people who are fans, you know, there are people who are fans of things or claim to be fans of things who can work on that and not really understand it in the way that most people do you know, because they're fans of an idea, you know, rather than what it is, you know, that, and they, they take the wrong message away. We were just talking before this about The Last of Us and, you know, that, that whole thing of how the end of that first game is, <laughs> of course, it, it was a fight club moment, you know, in terms of the audience split. It's the people who got it and loved it for that. And then there's this whole other audience who are rabid as fuck before what happened in the second game because they completely misunderstood what that, you know, how that was supposed to win. And yeah, this has a little of that. You know, it has someone who doesn't really understand what made it's a corporation's idea uh, side view of, you know, uh, aliens, which is not the viewpoint (laughs) (laughs) that that film is ripping the piss out of the people making, you know, in charge of making this game, not the developers. I'll say this, you know, again, in the same way I can excuse gearbox to some degree with Duke Nukem forever because it wasn't their baby to begin with. You know, the studios that took over subsequently on this, can't really blame them for being handed, you know, a live grenade like this. So, yeah, it, it's it's people at the top at the end of the day, it, and nothing about Gearbox has ever made me think different since then. Yeah, and that comes from someone who absolutely adores Borderlands and Borderlands Two, and thinks they're great games and some of the best co-op shooters out there in terms of just enjoyment and fun and. Yeah, even though that kind of humor is very much frowned upon now, the, you know, with the, the it being very Deadpool being very much associated with that kind of humor, <laughs> it's still yeah, 
it's fun in the moment. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's it's just a maelstrom of things that came together badly at the wrong True. time. Ambition, greed, ego, incompetence, all of it. I think what we've uh, gotten to the root of is that Colonial Marines is very much a cautionary tale. Uh, just because you have this, you know, this storied IP, which, you know, you get a lot of uh, fandom that comes with that, you know, that's not guaranteed to end up resulting in a product that uh, necessarily no. is the best representation of, you know, that IP and really capturing the uh, the magic of those films or what's so strong about uh, that universe and how that's been applied to other games, you know, whether it's past or uh, present. Um, but, you know, this was a... Uh, a little different for us to trip down memory lane, not necessarily a celebration uh, of a milestone, but rather <laughs> an excuse for us to uh, to go back and kind of just see how something has aged. Um, and I think that, you know, if anything, the silver lining here is that in the wake since Colonial Marines release, you know, there have been examples of how to use the aliens IP in a way that not yeah. only is reflective of the universe and its capacities for telling um, either very on brand for what you would expect, something like Fireteam, but also something along the lines of isolation that really captures what is truly terrifying about Alien and the Xenomorphs yeah. themselves. Um, and yeah, you know, once in a while we'll do one of these, uh, I think, exercises in, in, <laughs> in revisiting something that perhaps is not uh, out the gate the most positive uh, of conversations. But nonetheless, I think that they're important, you know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's fun to do this occasionally because, uh, you know, um, even though we've done it with this and Devil May Cry too in recent weeks, it's like, and, and, uh, it, you avoided us talking about, uh, um, Metal Gear Survive this week on top of this, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> can I, I have so been. much negativity in one week? At least coming from I know, me. At yeah, least coming and, from me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that in itself is a very fascinating thing. And, you know, at this point currently the death now for that series but yeah i think we've got enough out of this one so <laughs> sure be. but uh yeah you know i guess we can uh we'll reveal what we're going to talk about next week which is another game that i don't necessarily think has been as widely negatively received i don't know necessarily if it's as loved uh as maybe some other games from the genre that it uh is a part of but we're going to be chatting about uh zombie ubisoft's first person shooter zombie game from a while back, but that was a game that I haven't played since it was released, but it was one that I remember having some interesting ideas. And again, I'm excited to kind of see how those ideas have aged and whatnot. Yeah, that was um, just gone 10 years itself. So that'll be a, an interesting one. Too. But uh, yeah, I look forward to chatting about that, seeing how that game's held up. But uh, as always, it's a pleasure chatting horror with you for Safe Room. Until the next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. If you enjoy the show, please rate us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at SafeRoomPod for show updates. You can also join our Discord channel, Safe Room Podcast, to chat with us and other horror fans about the genre we all love. You can also drop us an email over at SafeRoomPod at gmail.com if you'd like to share your thoughts on a game we're going to cover. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next Monday.